Let's pray. Father, we are free. Free because death was arrested. Open our hearts now and pour down that love upon us as we spend some time in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. A man, a poet by the name of Billy Collins wrote a poem called Details. And in this poem, we're invited to sit with a woman as she thumbs through the pages of one of those coffee table photo books. And we watch as she sees photos of landscapes and portraits of people she doesn't know. And then she comes to a page with a picture of clouds. And she stops. And she looks up and she says, this is my favorite one. And she doesn't know that it's actually a picture of a portion of just one corner of a larger portrait or that shows a, a hero in, involved in mortal combat. But she doesn't see that. All she sees is the beautiful clouds against the blue sky. She said, this is what I need today. It's enough for me. thought about that as I prepared to preach on Job chapter 14. Um, Job chapter 14 is a pretty dark chapter. Job is in despair. Everything that's happened to him has come to a head. And you hear it in the words that Eric wrote, read. But there's one small little portion in the middle that offers hope. One little amazing detail. And it's important because you need to understand and I'm going to say this again, I'm sure, as we continue on this journey through Job. Job is not, is not about the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, that gets talked about here, but that's not what Job is about. Job is about why do we keep believing and trusting in God? Even when bad things even happen, even at the darkest moments and days of our lives. You know, remember, we've been at this now for a little bit, like a month. I think it's the fourth Sunday. Job, you remember, was a happy and prosperous man. Everything going his way until one day, Satan calls God's attention to Job. And Satan accuses Job, saying the only reason he trusts you, God, is because you're so good to him. And Satan makes a bet, God, if you take that all away, if you take away all your blessings, Job will curse you to his face, because then he'll have no reason to trust you. 
if everything goes wrong. The part that probably startled a lot of us is God gives Satan permission to attack Job with everything he has except he cannot take Job's life. And so Job, his whole family, all his kids die. He loses all his property, all his wealth. His servants die. By the end of chapter 2, his body is covered with open sores and constant pain. And in chapter 14, Job begins to describe how this has changed his outlook on life. You'll recognize this first from the funeral liturgy. Man who is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And then a couple verses later, he laments, Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and set limits that he cannot exceed. Job is at the end of his rope. He's had it all and now he's lost it all. He's overwhelmed. Except, in the midst of it all, Job adds one small detail. There's hope for a tree. I want you to let that sink in, what that means. What Job is saying. There's hope for a tree. In this one small sprout, in this little detail, Job finds something amazingly beautiful, finds reason for hope in spite of everything that's happened to him. There's hope in a tree. If it cuts, is cut down, it will sprout up again. And its new shoots will not fail. Now Job knew what it felt to be cut down. He had been cut down by one tragedy after another, all in two days' time. And then people started to take him to task. You know what that's like. There are people like that who think it's their job to take the axe and chop at you. We call them bullies, and they're everywhere. They're Children can be merciless on the playground. Teenagers can be merciless as bullies in cyberland. You can have old bosses, ex-spouses, maybe even current spouses or ex-friends who seek to make it their job to humble you and cut you down and tear at your self-esteem. Job had people like that in his life. His good friends, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz. You haven't had Eliphaz. You haven't had to had to read that yet as a lay minister yet. His three friends take it upon themselves to be Job's critics. They remind me of a of a woman named Deborah Ricketts. She works in the film industry. Her job is to find mistakes in films. Because, you know, when you're, if you've got a, a movie set in the 1930s, you can't have one of the characters reading a magazine that hasn't even been published yet. 
Or if they're singing a song, you can't have them singing a song on the radio that hasn't even been written yet. And things like that happen. Do you know that in the first Indiana Jones, as they're showing the plane going over a map and his travels, he flies, flies over Thailand. Well, in 1936, when the movie was set, Thailand didn't exist yet. Doesn't it doesn't exist till 1939, then it was called Siam. Or in, um, I think it's the second Die Hard movie, Bruce Willis is making a phone call, supposedly from Washington, D.C. What they missed entirely is at the top of the phone booth, it says Pacific Bell. Well, her job is to find all those mistakes and point them out. Well, so did Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz. They made it their job to point out why Job has every right to be miserable, to feel bad. They have this, they have, you might say that they have the, uh, the bedside manner of a drill sergeant and the compassion of a chainsaw murderer. Their theology is crazy. Job, you must have done something horrible because we know God is good and for him to do these bad things to you, you must have done something really bad. Job, a chapter or two later, calls them miserable comforters. I bet we all have known a few miserable comforters in life. His head hurts, his eyes burn, his legs ache, and he's sick of listening to his friends. And yet he says, there's hope for a tree. See, a tree can overcome being left for dead. I bet you all have seen it. I have a couple trees in my backyard that were dead after Ice Mageddon, and they're back. Right? Listen to what Job says. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Well, Job was certainly left for dead. Satan himself left him, thought his faith was far-fetched, a farce. His wife told him to curse God and die. His friends, well, we know what his friends did. No hope for you, Job. Have you ever had life do that to you? I'm your pastor. I know that you have. You've had some of you one thing after another. First you got sick, then somebody in the family got sick, then there was a death, then you went back to the hospital. It was just one thing after another. At times, you feel like life has just bonked you over the head and you're stunned and in shock. It's like you're a zombie walking around. You, you say the right words, but to you they sound empty. You, you go through life, but it feels like you're going through the motions. You feel abandoned, alone, hopeless, dead like a stump, waiting to die in the soil. But, even though a stump may be dormant for a long time, a good soaking rain can sometimes spur new growth. A tree can overcome being left for dead. There's hope for a tree. 
means there's hope for me. Job finds in that truth the idea that his life can begin again. The idea that no matter how dark and dismal it looked at that moment, he could still have hope. He even says it in the last verse. He says, says, I will wait for my renewal to come. And the word for renewal there, not by accident, is the same word that Job used for the word for a sprout from the tree. Job is telling us, in spite of everything, I still have hope. And it all comes from a little, small detail. There's hope for a tree. That's where hope comes from us, for us too. I don't know if you remember, but the image of a fresh sprout growing from the stump of a dead tree is used elsewhere in the Bible. It's used by the prophet Isaiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. You know the stump of Jesse. He's referring to the family and line of David. David was Jesse's son. And King David's family was cut down. God's judgment came down hard on the line of David. Left a dead, lifeless stump. And yet, there's hope for a tree. God, one day conceived in a virgin's womb, and from the dead stump, he brought forth new life. What that means, friends, is that's where hope is found for you and me. In the shoot that God brought forth from the stump of Jesse, from great David's greater son, from Jesus, our Messiah. Jesus is the new shoot from the stump of Jesse, and he's all we need. But now this is, this is where it gets stranger still. Because this new shoot, our Jesus, sprouts forth from the stump of Jesse that he might be cut down on the cross. Jesus came into this world to be rejected by the world, to be beaten by the world, to be discarded, to be put to death, to be buried. Jesus came to be cut down and left for dead. And there on the cross, even as he dies, hope is born. For on that cross, he takes your sin and mine. He carries our loneliness. He carries our wounds. He carries our abandonment, our pain. And having died, that's when it happens. On the third day, he is raised to life again, a new sprout, an indestructible sprout shooting forth from the stump of Jesse now and forever. That's finally why Job can say there is hope for a tree. Folks, no matter what has happened in your life or is going on. No matter how broken we have become, no matter how 
dark life seems, even when we don't understand what's going on, even when we can't look and see God any place, the message here is he's still there. There is hope in a tree, there is hope in the tree of the cross, and therefore there is hope for you and me. For on the third day, the one who died rose again. And that fact is enough. Jesus is enough to go on hoping. He's enough for you. He's enough for me. He's enough forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which pass all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.